Welcome to OVS Orbit, the podcast for Open vSwitch users and developers. This is episode number 60. This episode is an interview with Paul Chagnon, a grad student at Orange and Inria. I met Paul back in March at SOSR, the Symposium on SDN Research, held in Los Angeles, where he was presenting his paper titled OCO, Extending Open vSwitch with Stateful Filters. And that's what we talked about. On to the interview. Uh, welcome, everybody, to OVS Orbit, the podcast about uh, Open vSwitch. Uh, today, I'm at the Open Networking Summit and the uh, Symposium on SDN Research, and I'm talking to Paul Chagnon, a PhD student at Orange, uh, studying security monitoring and programmable networking. Uh, today, he's going to talk to us about OCO, uh, which is a system based on BPF for monitoring and filtering in, o- in OVS. But before we really jump into that, uh, Paul, do you want to say anything more about yourself and your background? Sure. So I'm a third-year PhD student actually at uh, Orange, and I'm working with the Inria Institute in, in France. And so I'm, as you said, mostly working on uh, monitoring and how we can improve network monitoring for security, mostly uh, in programmable networks. So that's, yeah. All right, uh, good. Uh, so uh, OCO uh, is a, a framework for uh, for monitoring and uh, f- and filtering based in on OVS. So how does it work? So the way it works, the way we extended uh, Open vSwitch is we added um, BPF programs as match fields uh, in Open vSwitch, and uh, we can then use these programs to like add uh, new extensions, uh, new programs uh, in the pipeline. So for instance. Um, Say you want to rate limit uh, an application, a destination application, Uh, you might just write a program that counts the number of packets and then uh, drops the remaining packets for the connection. So that's like just a way to extend uh, what you can do with OpenVSwitch by having some state uh, in the match part of the pipeline. Okay. So uh, when you say that it it adds things to the match part, uh, how, how does that work? Um, maybe it would help to sort of walk us through what happens when a packet comes into the data path. Sure. So the way it works is when the packet will come in uh, in the flow table, uh, we will actually match on the first few uh, fields, so like the IP address or the port, extra. So for that part, we use uh, what OpenVSwitch already has implemented. And then once we have uh, selected a rule, we will execute the attach uh, BPF program. And depending on whether this program will turn uh, 1 or 0, we will say that it matches or it doesn't match uh, the packet. So if it, so if the program matches the packet, then we can execute the action as if the rule the rule match the packet. And if it doesn't match, we have to continue with uh, the remaining rules of lower priority. So that's yeah. Oh, I I see. So it sort of adds another stage to matching. Yeah, exactly. So you can have, like, in a single table, because of these programs, uh, you can have several lookups because you have to go through the table again uh, if it doesn't match the first time. That could be expensive if it had to go through several of these failed lookups. Does Is that a problem in practice? So the we, we had to extend the, the caching mechanism of OpenVSwitch in order to, to support uh, these uh, this to, to address these issues. So um, uh, what we did is we actually uh, encode the result of the executions of the different programs in the cache. So we have like um, what we call a BPF chain in the, in the cache. 
and it just says uh, whether we expect this program to match or not to match, and depending on that, uh, the action to apply. And so for us, this is a way to um, to lower the cost of doing uh, several lookups uh, in the full pipeline. Oh, that's a model that I had never uh, thought of before. Um, it's uh, it's creative. Uh, did was that uh, something that you invented yourself? How did you come up with this uh, with this approach? So we had to work on a few prototypes before we got to to this approach, uh, but it's still a bit more complex than what we would expect uh, to have as a, an extension of Open vSwitch. So it's it's a bit complex because you have to uh, to remember which programs you executed during the uh, during the cache lookup and then to be sure not to execute them uh, in the full pipeline. So there's a bit of complexity with this approach, but then uh, it's much easier than what we had considered before. So we had to yeah try a few t- prototypes first. Okay. Okay, so uh, I'm I'm still trying to understand the the full implications. So the, the the caching of the programs that ran and the result is that done at a microflow level? Is that done at a megaflow level? At, at what level does the caching happen? So the caching is at the at both level, and it's at the megaflow level, and then you have like the the chain of programs uh, attached to your cache entry. And then you'll have the same with uh, the microflow level because it's a reference to the ca- megaflow cache. So, okay. Yeah. So uh, help me understand the, the implications of what the programs can do. It seems like there would be some some limitations on on what they could do. Sure. So there are a few few limitations. So on one side we have limitations um, related to the use of BPF. So we can't have like uh, unlimited loops. Uh, we can parse through uh, an unlimited number of options in packets, for instance. And then we have a few limitations we added in order to be able to cache uh, the programs. So, for instance, uh, we made sure that we cannot write uh, to packets, uh, because if we write to packets, we have to do new lookups uh, in the full pipeline. So, uh, this is the main uh, restriction you have, uh, but then you can still um, register some information on packets coming in and keep that information from one packet to the next. And that's what is mostly useful, in, we think, in the prototype. So, for instance, um, if you want to uh, find a, to identify trouble, uh, troubled connections in your network, uh, you could uh, just aggregate information at the switch level and then only retrieve uh, the aggregated information to the controller, for instance, or some other thing. So the uh, the cache can keep a limited amount of state from packet to packet. Yeah. So you can have uh, you have actually data structures uh, outside of BPF programs, so they're stored in the main memory uh, in the switch, and um, <coughs> you have uh, two types of data structures in our prototype. So we implemented an array uh, type of data structure and a hash table. And then you can use them to store uh, whatever type of information you'd like. Okay. Uh, so in the OVS cache, um, it 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 really is a, a, a true cache in that um, if it gets flushed, if, if all the information is lost, then it can get reconstructed. But it sounds like if you're maintaining state, that's that's a little bit different. And it's it's a little more valuable, so that if that got wiped out, you'd you'd lose information. How does that how does that interact with the the OVS cache? Is it it's kept separate from it? So that's an issue we had we would have to address uh, at a fu- in a future prototype. So uh, the way I would 
probably address this is the same way it is addressed in the BPF eBPF implementation. So meaning you can have uh, maps that are um, separate from the rest of the the program from the rest of OpenVSwitch, for instance, here. And then you can just reference uh, the maps with an ID or with uh, something like this. So in the Linux kernel, it would be a file descriptor. Uh, in our case, it could be something else. Mm -hmm. So you gave us one example of a rate limiter. Is is that uh, one of several examples? Do you want to expand on that? Do you want to tell me about uh, other other ideas you have for, for use of this, uh, uh, this technology? Sure. So um, uh, we actually have mostly stateful programs because that's the most interesting thing we think we have in this prototype. So we have the rate limiter, uh, obviously, is a simple example of what we can do. Uh, we can also develop uh, stateful firewalls uh, similar to what you already have uh, in OpenVSwitch. Uh, but I, then actually, let, let's talk about that, yeah. that briefly. Can you tell me about the advantages and disadvantages of, of using the BPF approach versus the connection tracker built into Linux? I, sure. I bet there's some, some interesting trade-offs there. So the main uh, interest I see in our approach compared to the contract is that we can actually change uh, the, the firewall, meaning we can, for instance, if we're not interested in tracking uh, sequence numbers, uh, we wouldn't have to, to track them, and we have a slight uh, improvement of performance, I expect. Oh, I see. So, so it's I more flexible than yeah, the Linux kind tracker because you're not limited to whatever it implements. Sure. So you can customize it to your application to what you want to do uh, in the end. Okay. So I, I interrupted you when we got to connection tracking, but it sounded like you had a few more th more examples to talk about. Sure. So the, um, the other example we implemented so far is uh, we implemented Dapper, which is a prototype from uh, SOSAR uh, last year. Uh, so it's um, a program that retrieves information on flows, on TCP flows, to identify uh, what is the bottleneck in the connection between the sender, the receiver, and the network itself. So we implemented it, this uh, with our prototype, with OCO, and uh, we can retrieve the statistics uh, at the switch level and then uh, just uh, retrieve the, the aggregated statistics uh, to the controller. Mm -hmm. So that's one other example. But then we also have uh, a bit of work on stateless uh, applications. So with OpenFlow today, you can only match on uh, specific fields. And perhaps more importantly, you can only uh, do bit matching on this field. So you cannot have like comparison or addition, subtractions, etc. That's true. Uh, you can more or less do uh, comparisons for inequalities by... Uh, yeah, by right. having a, a, a few matches that are there sure. bitwise. Yeah, so you could do comparison with, uh, yeah, so by having several matches. But you can't easily do arithmetic operations like yeah. you're talking about. So what we did, what we have with BPF programs is we are able to uh, implement these uh, operations at least easily compared to another implementation. And um, this can be useful if you want, for instance, to uh, match uh, signatures against packets. So what we had is uh, a prototype where we have um, both TCP signatures. So those are uh, stateless signatures on TCP options that can be used to identify the sending software of TCP packets. And then we uh, translate these signatures into BPF programs using an automated uh, program. And uh, we can match uh, these on packets going through. So we could, for instance, filter packets uh, using this, uh, this mean. Right. So uh, people often ask us uh, whether uh, OVS supports uh, deep packet inspection. It doesn't. Um, but they, they also want to know, you know, what would it take to add, add that? So how, how close would this approach come to uh, having that, that ability, for example, to, to match on URLs in a HTTP request? 
So I guess it really depends on what you want to do specifically in, in DPI, obviously. So uh, if you only want to match uh, URLs in uh, HTTP requests, for instance, and you know that the URL is only in the first packet, uh, that should be uh, possible. Mm -hmm. uh, however, if uh, it's a very large URL or if it's in different packets, like it's uh, fragmented in different packets, uh, it's probably going to be a lot more uh, difficult to do because you'd have to reconstitute uh, the TCP session, for instance, to retrieve the information. So it's not a DPI solution uh, per se, but you can do a few things perhaps at the application layer. Okay. So in theory, I suppose you could use that uh, state that you can maintain from one packet to another to reconstruct the session, but that's also pretty difficult for a BPF program since they're pretty limited. Yeah, so you could perhaps uh, like remember uh, that you already saw packets from the same connection, but then keeping the packets themselves and being able to really reconstruct the session would be wouldn't be possible at this point. I don't think so. Okay, because that would be a variable sized uh, um, variable sized data structures to store the packets. So. Right, and that's quite difficult for BPF uh, yeah. because of its limits on iteration. Hmm. Exactly. So uh, what uh, what are you thinking about as as things to do next? Are there significant limitations that you're interested in uh, reducing? What's what's your uh, path for future work? So <clears throat> so what we would like to work on is try to see if there's some um, some way to add this extensibility to Open vSwitch to upstream some something like this. Uh, so we don't think the, the current prototype uh, is perhaps not directly uh, upstreamable because uh, we have, as I said, a lot of complexity uh, regarding uh, the fact that it's integrated as match fields. Uh, but perhaps uh, as an action field in OpenVSwitch, perhaps that would be something which would be more um, viable in the future. It's kind of a more obvious approach to, yeah. to put it as an action. But it wouldn't have the uh, the ability that you have to sort of uh, decide that that was the wrong thing to look at and to try a lower priority rule. Yeah, so you wouldn't have that. But I guess you could probably do the same if you have like a uh, first table, then an action, then a second table toward... Uh, With recirculation at, yeah. the, um, at, at the level of, of the data path. Yeah, sure. Yeah, um, re recirculation is is very effective, but mm. we 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 kind of tried to avoid it because it's also relatively expensive. The the when a, a packet gets processed through OVS in the data path, um, there, there's sort of three three phases that have a cost to them, and the the first phase is receiving the packet, whatever the device driver is doing, and the third phase is sending the packet out wherever it's going eventually, and the part in the middle, the deciding what to do, the classification step, that's the expensive one. So when we have to do that more than once, it, it really makes the packet processing uh, a lot slower. What what have we uh, what have we failed to talk about? Uh, you uh, oh I know what uh, you you always want to know about a project like this. Uh, did did you do some performance testing and an evaluation and and what did it look like? Of course. So we we implemented uh, sort of three use cases I mentioned, and then we tried to compare this uh, in our prototype with the same implementations of these three use cases in uh, DPDK applications. So we compare to DPDK processes running uh, next to the switch. So, so when, when you say uh, a DPDK, you mean in handwritten DPDK applications? So I mean uh, using DPDK ring ports. So it's like a process uh, next to the switch, uh, so a separate process from the OpenV switch process. 
and that is sharing memory with uh, Open vSwitch. Oh, okay. And that was uh, that was something that you, uh, you you added to OVS to to support that, or it, it was communicating over? No, it's already supported in at least in the version two point five. So you can have like a DPDK import and then send packets to your application this way. Oh, okay. It it's a a port type that you can uh, that you can add to OVS. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I. Uh, Oh, I think I've seen that in the documentation, but I'm, yeah. I'm I haven't used the DPDK features very much, so I, I wasn't too aware of it. Yeah, I'm not sure this feature in particular is very uh, very used, very common. Okay, I guess it's yeah. Okay, so uh, you, you compared um, adding this feature to OVS via BPF uh, against uh, doing it in a separate process with the DPDK ring. Yeah, exactly. So um, we measured then the performance between these two uh, implementations. And uh, we have almost twice the performance when we are entirely in the open vSwitch process. So because we are staying in the same process, we can rely on CPU caches, for instance. We don't have uh, to retrieve the packet again in second caches extra. So there's a lot of overhead that disappears uh, related to the fact that we had a separate process that we don't have uh, if we have everything in the same process. That makes sense. So uh, when people talk about BPF, usually they're talking about something in the kernel. Here you're talking about DPDK in user space. So tell me about that. Yeah, so there's a, li- a little bit of work on, uh, we had a little bit of work on re-implementing uh, part of the BPF infrastructure in user space. So uh, we re- we made our prototype on OpenVSwitch DPDK, so the DPDK database in user space. And because of that, we had to re-implement uh, the BPF virtual machine in user space too. So we based our work on UBPF, uh, which is an implementation in user space of the interpreter and the JIT compiler. And then we added support for maps, and we wrote a verifier in user space too. Wow, that sounds like a, a lot of work right there. Yeah, uh, but I mean, we expect that we might be able to reuse it in some of our future works on other unrelated things. So I guess it's not lost. Oh, do you have uh, other uh, research planned involving OVS and BPF? Uh, not OVS, but BPF, yes. Okay. Have, yeah. Do you do you want to talk about your ideas at all? Um, sure. So, <clears throat> so some other work we have on uh, on BPF is uh, we are looking at um, whether we could have some offload of programs from tenants uh, to to the infrastructure. So this is using the Linux kernel uh, BPF uh, in this case. And so we want to see if um, uh, tenants could define uh, some some set of programs that they could install in their infrastructure. So, for instance, uh, if they want to uh, filter packets uh, for their application, uh, they want to do it at the lowest point uh, in their infrastructure, so closest to the to the NIC. And so we want to to see if we could allow them to do this um, and still be able to account for the CPU time uh, used in their infrastructure. And obviously, we want to address the, the isolation issue because it's not the same isolation. So it's still ongoing, but uh, yeah, we have some other work on, on BPF. All right, great. Uh, so you presented your, uh, your your paper today at SOSR. Yeah, so presented it uh, today at uh, 12 p.m. 
and uh, it went well, I think. So yeah. Good. I uh, I had to miss the talk, unfortunately, uh, so I, I I didn't get a chance to see it uh, my, myself. Uh, w were there uh, uh, were there any interesting questions? Uh, uh, did you learn anything from the audience? Yeah. So we had a few questions. Uh, we had one uh, the same you you asked on the on BPF and our BPF use case with the stateful firewall. So the comparison with uh, contract in Open vSwitch. Uh, then we had another question on uh, what was the impact uh, in the cache of having these uh, BPF programs, uh, because as I detailed in the in the talk, uh, we can have a bit more uh, cache entries uh, than we would usually have because we have one for each uh, result from the programs. Um, so yeah, we had a few interesting questions uh, during the talk. So uh, let's see. Usually, one of the uh, things that comes up with BPF is uh, the, the the verifier and the difficulty of, of writing programs sometimes that that pass the verifier step. I guess you were mostly working with a verifier that you'd written yourself. Um, what what was your experience? Um, would did did you ever find yourself just disabling the verifier or, or what? Uh, you, you you can when when you write all the pieces of the system, you, you can sort of cheat a little. Uh, what what was your experience? Sure. So we initially, we didn't have a verifier at all. So in most of the implementations of the use cases, we actually implemented them without the verifier. And then we, when we implemented the verifier, we had to change a few things to uh, because of the verifier. But then there is a, there is a lot of work ongoing, uh, even for the Linux kernel, on having a bit higher abstractions uh, to for our program. So for instance, there's the BCC project that writes uh, C programs and then compiles them into C again and then in BPF. So there are a few ways to try to uh, make it easier for developers to develop BPF programs, but it's still a difficult task sometimes. Yeah, I've I've spoken to some programming language and compiler people who are talking about writing a, a better verifier that would uh, be a little more flexible while still proving things a uh, uh, safe and, and terminating. Um, but I'm kind of skeptical whether the Linux community will be uh, welcoming to that. Yeah, I guess that would be interesting to to see at least. Yeah. Are you uh, are, are you about to graduate? Are you looking for internships or, or, or jobs or anything like that at the moment? Yeah, so I'm going to, um, I should finish my PhD at the end uh, of the year, so in September. So I'm looking, I will be looking for, for a job uh, afterwards, yeah. All right, well, maybe we'll get lucky and one of our listeners will contact you with some fantastic opportunity. Uh, uh, thank you for uh, for talking to me and I'm, I'm sure that it'll be a good lesson. Thank you for it. OBS Orbit is edited and produced by Ben Pfaff using Audacity audio editing software and released under the Creative Commons Unported 3.0 license. The intro and bumper music in this episode is excerpted from Electro Deluxe by My Free Mickey and the outro from Girls Like You by Stefan Kartenberg, both under the Creative Commons Attribution Unported 3.0 license. For more episodes of OBS Orbit, visit ovsorbit.org or for more information about Open vSwitch, visit openvswitch.org.